Crowd scene. Hi everybody, we're going to try something a bit different with this episode. Split into two shorter parts, this episode is focused on our guest's intriguing concept and the story of how their idea came to be, what it is, its inspirations and aspirations. The following episode, out next week on Wednesday, will concentrate on the crowdfunding itself, what exactly our guests learned as they ran their campaign. What would they recommend to take your idea and transform it into something you can share with the world? So for the complete picture, do give both episodes a listen. With that in mind, let's get on with part one. Hi there. Hello. Welcome to Crowd Scene, the show about successful crowdfunding campaigns and the people who make them happen. I'm Michael Ogden. And I'm Peter Dean. In each episode of Crowd Scene, we speak with people who have taken a risk by turning an idea of theirs into reality by raising money on a crowdfunding platform. But what did it take to reach their goal? I'd like to hear the story behind the idea and discover what it meant for them to find success. And I'm interested in how you design and plan a successful campaign, as well as what our guests have learned along the way. We'll talk about some of the factors that can make or break a campaign. In this episode, we're joined by Ilya Rosenberg and Aaron Zariga, co-founders of Sensol and inventors of the Morph. Ilya and Aaron believe the Sensol Morph will pave the way for a new generation of tactile and responsive interfaces. Interfaces that will entirely replace the keyboard and the mouse, and in doing so, transform the making of art, music, and gaming. That's right. In fact, Wired magazine says the Sensol Morph may be the future of input devices, and TechCrunch calls their invention a keyboard on steroids. So what is it? It's an iPad-sized touchpad that senses pressure and can track anything from faint brushstrokes to a hard drum beat. To turn their concept into reality, they looked to crowdfunding in order to raise $60,000 over the course of a 45-day campaign. They attracted more than 1,600 backers and blew way past their initial target to raise a staggering $442,648. So Ilya and Aaron will be sharing their insights and crowdfunding advice throughout the show. But first, let's hear their story. Ilya and Aaron, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Congratulations on a ridiculously successful campaign. Thank you so much. Ilya and Aaron, uh, can you tell us what the Sensor Morph is and explain what it does that the mouse and keyboard cannot? Yeah, so the, the Sensor Morph is um, it's kind of a next generation of input devices, um, is, is how we like to describe it. It's... Uh, uh, basically, it's a giant um, touch touch sensitive surface, um, and it's covered by uh, twenty thousand force sensitive elements. Um, and each one basically is able to sense pressure, and so um, we can detect um, basically anything that touches the surface, whether it's your fingers, you know, paintbrush. You can put a mug on it, and we'll pick that up. Um, and what's really unique about that is we're able to put different um, uh, tactile surfaces over over the morph um, and sense through those surfaces. So that allows us, and that's where the name morph comes from, uh, is basically allows us to morph the input surface into um, any kind of input device um, you want, basically. So I imagine this is kind of an increasingly competitive field. Is there something that, uh, how do you stay distinctive uh, uh, in that competition? Uh, well, we're we're really the first device that's um, you know that can kind of become anything. It's uh, it's incredibly versatile. So there's um, you know in this area there's been a lot of kind of uh, there's been a lot of like very single purpose devices, right? Like if like your keyboard is a it, you know is a keyboard and that's all it's going to be from the time you buy it to the time you throw it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's uh, there's DJ input devices. There's uh, drawing tablets and and so there's there's this whole array of um, very specialized 
input devices, this is kind of the first input device that can do it all. Um, and that's what makes it really unique. So I like the way you say, uh, you know, your keyboard until you throw it out. Uh, spoken like a true entrepreneur. Um, just wondering, is the Sensor Morph something that is going to replace the keyboard and mouse, or do you think it's going to be used alongside the keyboard and mouse? We imagine, like long term, that it could, like, basically replace the keyboard um, in your laptop. And um, you know, why have a dedicated, you know, why have a single-purpose um, input device that's covering this whole second surface of your laptop? when it could be something that's really versatile and can do a lot of different things. Um, you know, people today, they don't use their computer just for typing. So why is it that that whole surface is, you know, that's really all it's good for. In your video, you've got, uh, in your campaign video for the Kickstarter, uh, you've got artists and musicians using uh, the Sense of Morph. Is, are they the primary audience? Um, they're the audience that um, kind of latched on to the idea uh, the most when we started showing this. Um, you know, before we launched our campaign, we started going out and showing, um, you know, just showing the device to different potential users and getting their feedback. And um, we got a very strong response from artists and musicians because they already understand the value of, of pressure in their interactions. Um, and they, they're always looking for new ways to, you know, to do creative, creative work. Um, and, and the morph sort of opens up a lot of new possibilities. I suppose, is it in the family of kind of a, like a Wacom uh, drawing tablet? So it was interesting uh, with, with the artists. Mm -hmm. um, we thought that that was going to be their primary use case. So that's one of the, thing, the key things we learned um, in kind of going out and talking to people um, we, we thought, Hey, they're going to want to be able to use a stylus and they're mm -hmm. going to, you know, going to want to have like, you know, all the little buttons on the stylus and kind of like, we were thinking, Oh, like, how do we get those features, um, for our device? And then in talking to a lot of, a lot of the artists, we, we found out that that it really wasn't what they wanted. It's just that, that that's what they've been forced to do because that's, that's been the only input device out there, um, kind of targeting artists. Uh, we found out that they were actually really excited about using more traditional tools like paintbrushes and, mm. um, you know, um, all, all the different um, tools they have in, in their studio. We were working with this artist, uh, John Casey, who's a caricaturist, and we went into his his studio and he picked up, you know, just brushes, brushes from his studio and started drawing on a morph. And mm. that was kind of a re revelation to us uh, because a lot of, you know, a lot of artists are trained with with those kind of more classic tools and they they don't get to use them in their in their working life many times so i'd like to get a sense of uh in terms of your background how did you two meet and what is it that you each uh bring to the table how do you work together my background is uh i am originally a um software guy uh i do a lot of work with computer graphics and um did some work in the video game industry uh-huh uh, did some things with simulation. And the, and the one thing I kept coming back to, kept, kept noticing in my work was that a lot of times it was the input that was a limiting factor um, in the experiences that I wanted to build, um, you know, through software. Uh, so I got super interested in, in input. Um, and I actually had a previous um, startup that was also um, trying to develop um, novel input devices uh, way back in 2010. Um, that startup got, got bought, off, bought up um, and so then I went to work at Amazon, um, in their consumer electronics, uh, group. And, uh, it was, a it was a really fascinating group. Um, we did a lot of concept devices, um, kind of taking, taking ideas all the way from a prototype, uh, to, um, you know, handing it over to a product group, mm -hmm. uh, to, to turn into a real product. And that's, and that's where I met Aaron, um, that group. 
Yeah, my kind of my background is I uh, I uh, studied electrical engineering in school, so I'm on paper I'm like a hardware guy, mm-hmm. um, but I do a lot of software. So kind of like the opposite of Ilya. Ilya's on, Ilya on paper is a software guy that does a lot of hardware, and and so um, and so I met met Ilya at Amazon. Um, we worked on a lot of different projects together. Um, a lot of them that were kind of uh, kind of really exciting, and and we got to sh- ship a few of the the concepts that we worked on in, the, in our group. Um, and so we just had a really great uh, working relationship and um, our skills complement each other a lot. Like um, there is some overlap, but when we start a new project, uh, we kind of automatically know how to split up the tasks because I know what Ilya is good at and he knows what I'm good at. So there's not a whole lot of discussion. We can just go um, and really execute on a project. And did you both leave Amazon to start Sensomorph? Uh, I left earlier. I actually left uh, to to finish my PhD. Um, I also, um, you know, we had a baby, <laughs> so uh, I took some time off. Mm-hmm. Um, and not his wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably best to clarify that. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so um, you know, I was taking some time off, and I started kind of thinking back to some of the ideas um, I had way back when I was in grad school and things I wanted to do that. Kind of never got around to doing because you know once you're mm-hmm. once you you know working a full time job it's kind of hard to um, mm. kind of explore some some of these more creative ideas and um, just started coming up with new ways to build build sensors and, and started prototyping them at home and it kind of hit upon this one approach um, that I actually didn't think was going to work um, it was it was just I was just like oh, I might as well try this idea just maybe I'll learn something and then uh, it worked incredibly well. Um, and can you and describe that? I mean, in terms of uh, mm-hmm. prototyping for sensors, are you doing this on, is this on paper or are you, are you programming or what, what, what kind of prototype do you need to make in order to, to see some promise? Um, I mean, I was actually like designing, I got some PCB layout software and started just basically designing circuits, um, had a couple of them uh, manufactured okay. um, mm-hmm. kind of at a local PCB house. So um, it was real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard, you know, with, <laughs> With hardware, it's hard to just do it on paper and yeah. know what you're going to get. So you, a lot of times you just have to build it and, and, and see. And was, um, the, was, the, was the morph created in any way out of a sense of frustration that you felt that you couldn't uh, you know, do the work you needed to do with existing technology? Yeah, there is definitely a sense of frustration um, and uh, you know, kind of just a sense that you know, a lot like where the... Um, you know, consumer electronics industry was going with, with input was really not taking into account, you know, what we as humans are capable of. Like most of our, most of our devices don't, aren't, aren't really built with that in mind. A lot of times they're just built with, you know, what's, what's easier to manufacture or what's, what's lower cost. Um, so a lot of, a lot of times those things take priority over, over the experience. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to change that we're really excited about, um, about getting our product in people's hands because one thing, you know, I'm glad that we were able to get a lot of the points of the product across in the video. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of the really magical things about the sense of morph is, is actually interacting with it. Um, you know, we've, we've had the pleasure of taking the morph to, um, a few conferences, um, like we were at SIGGRAPH a few, few months Mm -hmm. ago Mm -hmm. and just the reaction people have when they try it out, um, is just incredible because a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, um, have, haven't never, never experienced anything like that where the, 
computer is kind of, um, you know, reading an analog input from you. And a lot of people get, um, have a really cool experience with it. And so for, for me, that's, it's kind of telling that that's how I originally came on board is just by trying the sensor myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that a lot of people are, when they see the morph in, in the, um, you know, Mm -hmm. in other people's hands or when they see it out in the market, they're going to get really excited about it as well. Well, Okay. You explain what, what force touch means. I mean, that's pressure. Yeah, so, so basically, right now, um, most touchscreens um, basically—they uh, all sense capacitance. So they change—they they sense electrical properties in your fingers. They actually are sensing the moisture in your fingertips. Um, that's why, like on a really dry day, sometimes your touchscreen isn't as responsive, or when you're sweaty, the touchscreen kind of changes behavior. Um, and so, when you sense moisture, all you can really uh, tell is the position of the, of the, of the touch, you get an X, Y location. And so when you think about, um, you think about a human finger, um, you know, there's so much nuance there in terms of how hard you're pressing the shape of the contact that's coming down. Um, you know, there's a lot of intent in those motions that that humans have. Um, and it's kind of unfair to boil that down to an X, Y position, um, and so with force, with our, with our pressure grid technology, um, we're sensing pressure directly. So that's why, um, you can interact with your fingers. Um, and when you do interact with the finger, we can tell the X, Y position, but we can also tell how hard it's pressing. We get a really high resolution, um, image of the shape of the contact as well. So we can tell a finger versus a, a palm, um, versus, you know, like the side of your knuckles and things like that. Mm. And then. Because we sense pressure, we can also sense any object that exerts a force. So that's why our technology can sense paintbrushes. We can sense pens, pencils, like Ilya mentioned, coffee mugs. Um, and it really opens up the, the, um, the way that you can interact with the sensor. That's an interesting word that you used, uh, intent. I mean, I wonder even if you can at some point begin to kind of determine uh, psychological, uh, whether people are, are convinced about uh, making a choice or, or not. Um, just a thought. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Even for even for keyboard, what's fascinating, um, you know, when you type on an iPad, um, it's very uncomfortable because you have to hover type. Right. And there's really no distinction in terms of the degree of intent. If you brush your hand accidentally against the, the sensor, it, the sensor just sees on and it says you're trying to touch here um, where with our keyboard overlay, um, whenever you touch the sensor, we're detecting that touch the entire time. Um, but we can look at the level of pressure that you're using and also the kind of the velocity of, of like how hard you're hitting it. Mm. And so we can tell, oh, the, the user is just resting their hands on the keyboard. Um, and it, what's cool is we can track your hands um, before you ever even hit actually like hit a key. Um, so as soon as you come in contact, we see your hands and then we distinguish that from like intentionally hitting a key. Um, and so even that allows users to comfortably rest their hands on the sensor um, while using it. And so it's just a very different experience from what people are used to with touchscreens. So how sensitive is the uh, sensor morph? Uh, what's the lightest possible touch that would register something? We basically tuned it so that it's v- extremely, extremely sensitive. So if I dropped and a feather on it, would that, would that uh, breathe on it? it? If you, maybe not if you dropped it, but if you held a feather and you kind of pushed on it, um, you know, that would, we'd probably see, um, see something in the force image there. I've um, tried that. And it works. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. 
we yeah, just we did try the right count on the street. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron was kind of grossed out by it. He was like, don't touch the sensor with that feather. <laughs> it's like a real feather. It's like roadkill. You kills. don't know where that feather Tell came that, from. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what about, what about the other way? Is there any kind of maximum uh, force that you can exert on it without it uh, breaking? Yeah, we, we made it so you can uh, basically go up to several kilograms. So we tuned the, the solution so that you can you can basically touch as light as you can touch and we can we can sense it and then um it captures up to where your hands kind of start to hurt when you press on it like when you and you're mashing on it like as hard as you can <laughs> that's kind of where our sensor maxes out so it's tuned for, yeah. for that type of interaction i love it when americans talk about kilograms that really <laughs> makes me smile <laughs> you feel like you're winning some kind of battle yeah i yeah. think so <laughs> the war finally <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You mentioned um, the iPad. I mean, so a company like Apple are they are they competitors for you or potential collaborators? I think they could be, um, you know, definitely potential uh, collaborators. I mean, if you look at the Sensor Morph, um, you know, we're not trying to replace, uh, you know, the tablet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what we're addressing with the Morph is kind of this uh, this convergence of laptops and tablets. Um, tablets are, are frequently now getting keyboard accessories. Um, you know, like, uh, like the iPad pro actually has a keyboard that you can snap onto it to kind of turn it into a laptop. Um, and then laptops are all getting touchscreens and and a lot of laptops now have detachable keyboards. Hmm. So I think we're seeing a convergence of the two. And I think computers of the future are going to basically, um, be some touchscreen coupled with some tactile interface. Um, and so the kind of the trend that we saw though, is that, even though touchscreens are becoming more and more commonplace, the tactile interface is not going away um, because humans, um, you know, are just more, way more efficient and it's more comfortable to interact with the surface that's tactile and that you can feel and you can, um, you know, interact with. And so the Sensor Morph is really our proposal of what that tactile interface should be or, you know, could be. Um, you know, why have, as Zilli mentioned, why have a fixed physical, you know, interface when you can have an interface that's upgradable and changeable. Um, and so we really see our technology as being a complement to a lot of the, the existing products out there. I think it'd be useful if you if you uh, explained how it was interchangeable, you know, the tactile overlays, because it's quite cool. Yeah, we basically developed this system where, uh, you know, you can, you, you, you snap on, there's a, a tactile overlay um, and it's flexible. And so that, that allows us to sense forces through the the overlay so it's like well, a, it's it's like a overlay, rubber mat is that right a rubber yeah, mat that's a piano or a rubber mat that's a, a drum a drum kit exactly it's it's what's nice the overlay is just a piece of silicone or it's a piece of uh plastic depending on what you know uh, which overlay it is mm-hmm. and uh, so there's no electronics in it so we can make them really cost effective um and you just magnetically snap it on top of the sensor and then the um the morph auto detects what it is so it just changes modes um, automatically without having the user having to think about, you know, mode switches or things like that. Now, if Pete wanted to make his own overlay, is that possible? Yeah, we're, we're exploring different, um, we're looking at different processes right now that allow users to easily make one-offs. Um, and so kind of the, the vision, uh, you know, longer term of the product is that, 
Um, you know, we we're providing an initial set of overlays that are going to allow people to get up and running with the product. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really want to enable people um, to easily make one off, say, oh, I like this keyboard, but I actually really want to move the keys around so that it's better shaped to my hands and I can make an ergonomic keyboard. And so I can just use an editor and edit the overlay mm-hmm. and then kind of order one from a custom one from Sensel and it comes in the mail and it's ready. Um, and then we also want people to publish their designs so others can see. So if a musician makes a really interesting new instrument, we want him to be able to share that with the community. Um, and so you can kind of think of the, the morph as enabling uh, an app store for physical mm. interfaces. I think that's a really, really cool thing about the morph. Um, so look, before we get to talking about crowdfunding, I just want to ask you about the name Sensel Morph. Who came up with those names uh, and were there any alternatives? Ilya, you should answer that one. Uh, I think that, well, there was a lot of alternatives uh, as we went through. I think for both the company name for Sunsol and for the Morph, we went through uh, many dozens, if not a hundred, you know, different names. <laughs> uh, sen- the name Sunsol, um is, uh, it's actually a real word that's not very commonly used, but uh, it's, it's, it's very similar to pixel and it means uh, sensor element. Mm. Um, and so, and it kind of represents what we're about as a company, um, is, you know, um, so making, how, uh, <laughs> how would you use sensor in a sentence? Um, wow. That sensor has a lot of sensors. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so come on, like, um, let us in on some, uh, some of the alternative names that didn't quite make it through for the morph. I remember one of them was, uh, we just thought about calling it product one. <laughs> oh. That was before we had any uh, any any super compelling names. We're like, well, it's our first product, so that kind of describes it. Very logical, uh, yeah. And then I think we we considered also calling it the Magic Pad at some point because mm-hmm. uh, we realized because because uh, the acronym Magic could stand for like music, art, gaming, mm-hmm. interaction, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's a bit Steve Jobs, cool. isn't it? Yeah, it was a little too much. So. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk crowdfunding. Um, why did you guys decide to crowdfund this? Uh, so basically, we, I mean, one of the things we we felt about this product is it's really, it's not a product where we want to make something and kind of force it upon people. It's it was it's a device where we want to get a community um, of users around it and 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 shape shape the the evolution the development of the product around kind of feedback from the users mm-hmm. um and so we thought you know what you know what better place to find a great community of early adopters that are like super excited and passionate about technology um than the kickstarter community and has so either of you crowdfunded anything before uh no that was it was the first time for both of us so how did Illy and Aaron prepare for their crowdfunding adventure and what tips do they have for those of you who want to run your own campaign? Well, we hear that and more in part two as we conclude our conversation with the Sensil Morph team next week. Through all those conversations with people that have done Kickstarters, we realized that we were just completely not ready um, for, the, for the Kickstarter. Crowdscene is published on Wednesdays, so tune in then and be sure and check out all of our episodes with a variety of crowdfunders from songwriters to filmmakers, inventors and entrepreneurs. They're all for free on iTunes or any of your favorite podcast apps. Thanks for listening. Crowd scene, gonna kick it with me and Mike. Crowd scene, interviews behind the hype.
that's why I call Epic.